So hi everyone, you're listening to the Tavern of the Pink Warriors weekly podcast. This is the second episode of our weekly podcast series. And last week we talked about K-League transfers, and a lot more has happened on that front, as the transfer window officially opened this week. Uh, we'll discuss that and more later in the show, but we start today with a full AFC U23 championship preview. Uh, and that tournament is extremely important because it serves as the 2016 Rio Olympic qualifiers. Uh, if you haven't guessed, I'm Tim Lee from Tavern Studio Quebec. I'm joined today by Jinsuk Yang from Tavern Studio Ohio. What's up? Ohio, okay, that's good. I'm good. Uh, Nicole Chung from Tavern Studio Australia. Hello! And Jay Chi from, I guess we'll call it Tavern Studio Texas. Howdy, y'all. <laughs> All right. Um, so the ASC U23 Championship, we mentioned it last, on our last uh, on the first episode of the this weekly podcast thing that we're doing, uh, but we're going to go a little bit more in detail this time as the tournament begins uh, at least for Korea on the 13th of January. Um, so we're going to go through position by position the Korean roster, and so we'll start with goalkeepers. Uh, Koo Sung-yeon from Kansadeli Sapporo, Kim Dong-jin from Sungnam FC, and Lee Chang-gun from Busan I-Park are the three call-ups uh, this time around. It's a pretty strong uh, goalkeeping pool, isn't it, Jin-suk? Oh, yeah. Um, I've, I've said this over and over again. Um, I don't think we've ever had this much spread of talent in all, all three of our goalkeepers. You know? like, there was always one clear understudy, and I, I guess there is now, but like, these are three very strong goalkeepers. So who's going to be starting then? Um, uh, what's the impression? Absolutely Kim Dong-jun. Um, Kim Dong-jun. He's, he's the unquestionable starter right now. Um, Jay, do you think Kim Dong-jun might get like any time with Sung-nam this year? Um, with Sung-nam? Yeah. It feels like he might... He could. Because I think he'll probably slide in into the backup role because they... Backup. Sungnam sold off, um, like, like, Jung, Jungsan? Jungsan to, uh, Ulsan, so, I think they're in, they're in need for a backup for Pak Junyak, so, yeah. I think that's probably where he'd slid in and maybe do, I don't know, KFA Cup or the odd game here and there. I think, like, a couple of years might even start for Sungnam because, uh, Pak Junyak isn't exactly that impressive. And- it's, um, it's surprising, you know, Kim Dong-jin was only a 19-year-old, 18-year-old uh, university player when he was starting for the U23 team, uh, even last year. So, very impressive guy, I think. Yeah. Um, let's, um, let's uh, hopefully nothing will go wrong, but if Kim Dong-jin, you know, gets injured or his form is absolutely horrible, who is the second choice? That's absolutely Lee Chang-gun. So, Lee Chang-gun is, uh, so, he might get signed by Wu San, Jay. Um, but, uh, Lee Chang-gun is the U20 goalkeeper that we've seen for the past three or four years until he was replaced in the starting lineup by Kim Dong-jun. So next up, we've got the defense. So we've got Koo Yeon-jun from Busan High Park, Hong Ryuk from Yonsei University, Song Joo-hun from Mijo Hollyhock in Japan, Shin Sang-min from FC Seoul, Captain Yeon Jae-min from Suwon Samsung Blueings, Lee Sun-chan from Chandam Dragons, Chang Sun-hyung from Busan Hyundai, and Park Dong-jin from Hangzhou FC. So, the consensus, the consensus left-back, I'm guessing, is Shim Sang-min, is that correct? Yes. Yes. So, center-backs. Center-backs. Yeon Jae-min, as captain, obviously, he'll be starting. 
Who's gonna, who is he going to partner up with? Based on just that last, uh, the friendly against Saudi Arabia, it feels like it'll be Song Joon because in the the article that the KFA posted after, they sort of hinted that that lineup was, I think, close to what um, Shin Taeyong wants is going to actually run into the the AFC U23. I think I think I think Song Joon started with on that one. Oh yeah. Uh, well, I haven't watched him for Mika Halifax, but I do know that uh, he's had some horrific mistakes with that team. Um, so Jay, you're right in that it was that lineup versus Saudi Arabia was sadly um, pretty much we're gonna get. I think the only thing that was different was the three four front players. Um, right. Yeah. So. Yes, it's going to be those four, and they didn't have that good of a showing, but, uh, conspiracy theory, uh, Shin Taeyang might just, cause he's, he's all about, like, hiding our techniques, right? Like, yeah. before tournaments, so, I don't know, we'll see. Yeah, and then just for, uh, just to get it out there, our right back, our starting right back will be... Iser Chan. Iser Chan for Chan Nam. So, I, have, I actually have a question, uh, Jay, uh, how is Kui Hyunjin like? Like, what's he like? Um, Does he play much for Busan? He he got in the middle of the season. He got a pretty solid run out, mainly under at the end of um, Yoon Sung Ho's uh, tenure, and then into a uh, Dennis Iwamoto's uh, little interim spell. He was kind of the regular left back, and I was actually a little surprised when he got called up to the U twenty three because he was he was decent, but I mean he wasn't he didn't really stand out as being a really great solid left back, either going forward or defensively. Mm-hmm. But I thought he was fine versus uh, UAE. Actually, he was pretty good. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, in the second half when he came on, he he was fine. I mean, I mean, it's. I mean, he didn't. He doesn't stand out. But I guess it's more just like he doesn't stand out. As like he's really good at X or A or B or something like that. He's he's decent and he could. I mean, he could develop into a better left back, and we'll kind of see. But uh, once uh, Choi Young Jun came in uh, at Busan, he uh, Kui Young Jun kind of dropped out, and mm-hmm. Choi Young Jun went back to uh, Yu Ji Hoon. Uh, yeah, I think as for CB too, I think it should. I think Chung Sun Young should be starting not only because Song Jun hasn't made mistakes, but also because Chung Sun Young knows this team. Probably, okay, okay, I can't say more because Song Joo-hoon has been involved with the U19 and the 2013 U20, but during qualifiers, Song Joo-hoon was not called up at all. Jung Seung-yeon was our starting CB with Benjamin, and he was our top scorer of the team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so um, I, 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 think, I think he should start. Yeah, and just looking through the ages here, we've got Hong who's just 19 years old. Is yes. there any reason why he's called up if, if he's not. Uh, it's because uh, Kim yeah, was injured, so he was the direct replacement. Uh, he okay. didn't do too well against Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So, Park Jong-ho should start in that position. Yes. Uh, just uh, and just worth mentioning, he's the only university player uh, selected in the squad. Um, let's move on to midfielders. Uh, so, we've got Kang Sang-woo for Poang Steelers, Kwon Chang-woo and um, Suwon's Samsung Blue Wings. Yu Sung Woo from Bayer Leverkusen, Moon Chang Jin of Paul Steelers, 
Park Sung-woo of FC Seoul, Yuen Soo of FC Tokyo, Lee Chang-min of Chun-nam Dragons, Lee Young-jae of... He transferred, didn't he? He's on loan to Busan now. He's on loan to Busan, but uh, uh, Kim Sung-jun also of Busan Nende, and Lee Chang-min uh, of Chun-nam Dragons. So there seems to be a lot of talent in this, a lot of skill in this midfield setup. Who do you think are going to be the starters, Jin Suk, and why? Um, so Park Jung will absolutely be the defensive mid starter because he he's been solid in all his games so far. Actually, um, he's yeah. taking over the yeah, tandem he, role, yes, which we've talked about at length. So I won't go into that. Um, the 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 three midfielders, I guess, if we're gonna assume that we're gonna start in a diamond. It's going to yeah. be Lee Chang-min and Kwon Chang-won in the middle with um, Moon Tang-jin up top. I mean, Jin-seo kind of touched on it, is that is how you think Shin Tae-yong is going to set this team up, because mm-hmm. he's made it, he's really kind of switched around a lot between the, the 4-4-2 diamond, the 4-3-3, mm-hmm. and a 4 one 4 one So it kind of just depends on how you think he's going to put them up. Mm-hmm. It really does, but... I think before they left for the Middle East, that was something he really pushed, is that he wanted the team to be able to very easily interchange between those three systems. Right. Right. And I think they did that pretty well against UAE, the whole switchy thing. (laughs) (laughs) Although, it it, it should probably mention that against UAE, he could make, he was able to make unlimited substitutions. Unlimited. He made like eight or something. Yeah. Right. Um, and of the entire 23-man roster, Kwon uh, is the only real player who's in the KNT setup. Um, is that abnormal for, for a 23 side coming into uh, AFC qualifying? Actually, yes. Um, now that I think about it, during the 2012 qualifying season, um, I think the only players that were consistent in the starting lineup were Hong Jung and Kim Young. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that's all I can think of for now. Yeah, I mean, cause I mean, I mean, most people know Kwon Chang-un at this point because he, you know, he's, you've seen, people have seen him with the national team and, I mean, basically, I don't, I mean, he brings the same things to U23, I suppose. <laughs> I, mean, I suppose you could say he has a little bit more experience because some of, when you look through, I mean, most of them do play, but some of them are a little Enjoy. more cringe on their K-League sides or, they're just maybe getting started this year to an extent, so. Also, oh, Park Hyun-yuk of uh, Eintracht Frankfurt uh, was stopped from being called up by his own club team. Uh, why do you think that's the case, and what ramifications could that have on the Korean uh, U23 side heading into this qualifying tournament? And stuff? Um, I think Park Hyun-yuk is a great option up top. Um, or, or out on the wings, actually. So, right, yeah. I think, I suspect that Shin Tae-yong had expected to be able to, if he wanted to go for a 4-4-2 diamond, stick Pakinak up top. And I think that's what he wanted, but, um, without that option, I think he opted for Yusung up top. That's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Um, what ramifications does it have? Um, well, we brought in, we brought in, okay, number one, Hwang Yi-chan is really our only really strong forward. And number two, I guess, it, 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 it allowed, uh, Jin Sung to come on the team. He's a player I like a lot, so. Yeah. Yeah, just, just for, uh, completeness of sake, the forwards are Jin Sung of Chun United, Hwang Yi Chan of Red Bull Salzburg, and Kim Hyun of Cheju United. Uh, and Hakin uh, completely on the wings or up top, so. Yeah. I, I just mentioned them before I said that. Um, 
So, assuming that Shin Young is gonna play in a in, in that diamond system, uh, who's gonna play up top then? Uh, Pang Yichan is, is that a certainty? Um, Pang Yichan is well af after these two friendlies. It is. I think it's absolutely gonna be Pang Yichan. Jay, do you agree? Yeah, after the agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so when I, that, when he wasn't on against against Saudi Arabia, the team was just terrible. Awful. And yeah. then he comes on and just looks alive. He seems alive. Yeah. Well, he, he's his pace brings a lot, a little bit of that spark. And I suppose going back to Tim's uh, previous question about Quan Chang, and that's another thing. Maybe is that he does bring a little bit extra spark and creativity and drive in the attacking sense. Right. There's also Kim Hyun who was called up. I remember him playing starting for the twenty. Uh, I guess it was the twenty twos or the twenty ones. Um, in the past, he doesn't seem to be quite popular. Uh, uh, he doesn't seem to be in, quite in favor anymore. What has Kim Hyun done wrong, or what does he not have uh, for the E23 system? Well, I don't think it's him doing anything wrong. Um, I think it's more like he was, he was our starting forward in, in 2012 and 2013, but yeah. he never really brought anything to the... never brought any special characteristics to this table outside of being tall and holding up the ball. Um, <laughs> You said, what does he lack? And the number one thing he lacked is pace. Right. He's so slow. A very good attacking strength of this team is actually creativity. I think okay. what they have is a creativity that Hong Myung-bo's U23 did not show. Which, Jay, do you agree with that? It's more flowing attack, right? I think this side is probably, this side is probably a little more technically gifted than the previous mm -hmm. generation was under, under, uh, Hong Myung-bo. And so I think that sort of, you see it, as, as I was mentioning in that, that flowing, their ability to control and pass the ball and move it around a little better. We've done the entire roster, so let's just move on to the matches that the U23 side will be playing in the group stage. So they're starting on the 13th of January against Uzbekistan, at, that's at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time, so I'm guessing that's uh, the 14th of January, that's... 1.30 a.m. Uh, in South Korea. Uh, Uzbekistan, so I, I, I spoke to some of our friends on Twitter, including Tamash uh, Danachek, uh, who I mentioned before on this podcast. He's been on this podcast before as well. Um, so I, I spoke to him about the Uzbeki side, and they seem to have expectations for this batch of players as well and hope to qualify uh, and get out of the group and maybe even advance uh, further. The qualifying for the AFC 23 <laughs> Championship, uh, the record wasn't that great. They left it really late to beat India 2-0, uh, and they lost to Syria 2-1. And the only reason they actually made the tournament was because they were one of the best runners-up uh, by virtue of their 4-0 win over Bangladesh. So it's safe to say they, they're quite lucky to have made it into the tournament. Just like, do you think we can, we can beat them, and do you think this is an opponent that we can overcome? Well, I think with the talent that we have, I honestly think that every team in this tournament is beatable, except for maybe Iraq. But um, Uzbekistan, right. um, they've had our number quite a bit over the last couple of years. Um, what I'm thinking of is 2012 U16, but of course it's a different generation. Um, the only history that I know of that we have with Uzbekistan is when they, number one, kung fu kicked someone, and then number two, <laughs> slapped Shin Changmin in the face, getting them two red cards. Um, 
So I think we should have the edge on this one. They also have a pair of, of really established players who also play regularly for the national team. Oh, really? So they've got Iskandera, uh, who's... Oh, he... I guess he's not yet irregular for the national team, but he's tied uh, to be Tiparov's replacement. Sorry, go on. Yeah, I, I was going to say that, like, uh, I know the name. Yeah, and also there's uh, Igor Sergeyev, who I believe scored against us in the friendly back in March. I also think that we can beat Uzbekistan, but... They have a lot of expectations for this team, and essentially what they've done with this squad is, is combine the U20s, uh, the FIFA U20 teams, uh, two of which made it to the quarterfinals. So they've combined it uh, together, so we've got you know two different generations of players coming together to play for this U23 side, and so there's a lot of optimism. Um, Jay, just for completeness' sake, do you think we can beat Uzbekistan? Uh, well, I mean, uh. Full disclosure, I don't really know anything about right, no, these right, no, right. U23s, but I mean, just speaking about what I've seen just lately from, from this, from our, from the Korea U23 side, I think on their day, yeah, they could, they could be probably any of the other teams in the, <laughs> on their day, the yeah. championship. But I also think that there are some times where it just doesn't quite click, especially in the attacking side. And then if they have a, a bad, just like an off day, it, I mean, they could lose, I suppose. On the 16th of January, a match against Yemen. No one really needs, seems to know anything about Yemen on social media. Their, uh, their own uh, federation website doesn't even mention them. So it's safe to say that this is a, a team that we should be beating, I think. Um, also, the final match in the group, which hopefully we won't be needing to, to get out of it, um, is against Iraq. Um, so I spoke to uh, yes, I spoke to Hassan Mubarak. He runs uh, the Iraqi football account on Twitter, and the expectation with Iraq is that they can go all the way, all the way to the Rio Olympics, and even make a splash there. Um, the one downside on this, but this team is that the manager is very, very new. The squad of players. He's been around for about. Five months. They've had a couple of training camps, uh, a few friendlies against club teams, and uh, against uh, Jordan, China, and North Korea. He's also interestingly recalled players who are being exposed for being overage in the Iraqi press. Uh, yeah, makes sense. apparently some of them are supposed to turn 27 at the Rio Olympics. I don't know if anyone had to, if anyone had anything to say about Iraq. It seems to me that this is going to be the hardest game in the group. Is that right? Yeah. Um, the only thing I have to say is that um, they actually have a lot of new names out here. Um, I'm comparing yep. the 2013 squad. That's the team that knocked us out of the World Cup and that we beat in the final of the qualifying. Um, yes. So they actually only have a total of like five or six players who are the same. Which yes. is yeah, surprising. And, yeah, and I, I was going to mention this as well. Um, only 11 players from the AFC U23 qualifying team has actually made it uh, into the cut for the actual tournament. So there's a huge uh, over overturn of players here and a, a new batch coming into the squad. So although Iraq is hoping to get to the Rio Olympics and they have they certainly have the talent uh, to do so, uh, the, the big concern is that if, it, if teams start asking questions to the Iraqi side, because they haven't been together long enough, and because their manager is very new uh, to the U23s as well, that they might 
uh, it might stumble earlier than expected. Um, we're we're going to have to be on our game for these erupting in Pakistan because, as Jay said, if it's anything like what we saw against Saudi Arabia, we're, we're probably going to lose. So the U23 team had a 2-0 victory over the UAE, but then drew 0-0 with Saudi Arabia. Uh, in the UAE match, the first half team was completely different from the second half XI with what, 8 or 9 substitutions at halftime. And against the Saudis, uh, a couple... I think Kwon didn't start, nor did Pang or but otherwise the team was pretty much as is. Um, so just thoughts about the friendlies, why did the match against Saudi Arabia go so, so horribly wrong, and why did, it, why did after a 2-0 victory of the UAE, uh, we had this unconvincing result against the Saudis? Uh, well, part of it was that, uh, as you mentioned, against Saudi Arabia, uh, Shin Taeyong did bench kind of the probably what it would be his preferred attackers and like Kwang Yichang, Kwang Chang and such. So I think that was part of it. And if you go off the the KFA's report on it, they also sort their reporter hinted that um Shin Taeyong was also had shifted his focus for the U UA, the, the the Saudi match to a more defensive side because mm. against UAE, especially in the first half. They they had a lot of issues with conceding space and chances to UAE in the first half, and so the that article seemed to hint that he had decided to make a more defensive shift for this team against Saudi. Yeah, that that actually makes sense, you know, because I I, I was watching um, uh, an interview by Shin Tae and he was saying how like he was more content with his attack than his defense, but that. Uh, and then he was like, oh, but we need a good defense to make it all the way in the tournament. So he was going to say how like he was going to focus more on defensive training once he got to Dubai or something. So, could be. Interesting. Um, also, we touched on it earlier, but this team seems to be more tactically flexible than previous youth teams. Um, is that going to be an asset that Korea is going to be able to exploit? And is that something worth having? Oh, it's always something worth having. Go on. Yeah, I mean, in theory, yeah. If they can if they can execute his plan to be able to shift between two or three formations, especially within a game, then that certainly does give them an advantage to be able to shift and adapt as the, the game scenario recalls. If they need a more attacking lineup to, to chase the game or to win it at the end, they can shift into that 4-4-2 diamond, which is a little more attacking. If they need to calm it down and try to just close off spaces, then they can drop into the 4-1-4-1 or the 4-3-3 as they need to control the, sp the spaces. So if they can do it, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, the danger, of course, in theory, is that he's going to push too much on them and then they won't do any of them particularly well and they'll just kind of be shifting around. But they, from the friendlies they, they seem to be getting a, a decent grip on the system so I don't think that'll be a, a huge issue. Yeah, but so I guess my question then becomes why haven't other youth teams tried to do this? I think U17s were kind of reliant on the single and just they had one tactic, one game plan that was give the ball to him. Uh, is there a reason why other teams haven't tried to pursue this kind of tactical flexibility that Shin seems to uh, prioritize? 
I oh, think, I think the obvious answer. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What? What? Hey, what were you gonna say? Oh, I just said I think the the kind of the obvious answer would be that it's it's a difficult thing to do mm-hmm. to teach sixteen, seventeen year olds the ability to adjust tactically to two or three different systems that require maybe very different positioning or movements off the ball is maybe something they don't really they don't feel they can or should push on. It's that age where they're probably ideally probably more still focusing on the technical ability and starting to ease into the tactics of it. Uh-huh. So I thought the obvious answer was just the manager. Um, Shin Taeyong has always been like, he's always tried out many formations. If you remember his two games for the KNT, he did two very different formations. I think mm-hmm. Shin Taeyong is a guy who, number one, does emphasize tactical flexibility. Um, in his interview, you know, he's, he, he always says stuff like, oh, it's important to adjust depending on the opponent. And then he always talks about, oh, it's so important to think before you do anything. So the way he described it is Hengal Kanunchuku, actually, which is what I heard. But, um, anyway, I think that and our previous managers, like Yi Huangzong and Hong Yangbo and, well, even Chai Jincha, who's new, I think what they, their game plan has been stick to one formation and perfect it. I think, yeah, it's probably a little bit of both. I think, Probably we see it more with Shin Taeyong because of his just his natural uh, approach to the game, as opposed to some of the other Korean coaches. But I do also think that the age is a factor in it. That yeah. probably most of them probably just are not to the level where they can shift from a four four two diamond out to a four three three and back to a four one four one kind of thing. So mm-hmm. you think we'll just do one system, we'll do it well, and then. Right. Then, in theory, they can move on, but then usually they move up to the next age group anyway, so. Future KNT coach? Oh yeah, I think, I think everyone's, I think people have on their minds as like, potential future KNT coaches, Shin Taeyong and Fang Sonong are number ones on the roster. Um, moving on for one more question, I think. The last U20 side, as, as you'll recall, had a breakdown on the group stage. Uh, Despite playing, you know, opponents that we should have been able to beat, what are the the chances that this happens again to the U23 side, despite a group which we could, uh, on our better day, uh, win? There is a possibility because we have more difficult opponents, I think, who can beat us if we're not on our game. But I think I, I trust Shin Taeyong a lot more. Basically, the previous U19 manager had absolutely no idea how to rotate. And he had no idea how to sub, I think. And his player selections were so weird, like with the random Orange Academy Blues midfielder, what shouldn't have him playing. But anyway. But yeah, I think the trust in the Korean media as well, uh, and on forums and social media and stuff, uh, is much stronger with Richie Taeyong than previous uh, youth managers. So do you want to mention, if we make it out of the group stage, then the teams that we could be playing are Australia, Jordan, Vietnam, and the UAE. Um, if we do make it out of the group stage, is there any one of those teams in particular that you feel concerned about? Because if you lose the quarterfinal stage, then there's no second chance. There's no hope. That's it. That's it. Uh, not particularly. Australia, maybe, because we've faced them so many times. So let's move on to Kaylee transfers. So the transfer window officially opened uh, this past week, if I'm not mistaken. And so a lot of the transfers that we were fairly sure were going to happen, that were, 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 
were reported by the clubs as going to happen officially uh, came through. Um, I guess the one fairly new one is Chu Sejong moving to FC Seoul. Uh, so Nicole's, I, he haven't talked much, I'm sorry, I haven't called on you, I, I'm very sorry. Uh, but since you are an FC Seoul fan, uh, what do you think Chu Sejong is going to bring to FC Seoul and why is he a good or a bad, or a bad transfer? Like, he's definitely a talent, but do we need another midfielder? That's what everyone has been saying. But people are still happy to have him. But, like, we're, like, overboard with players, so everyone's like, do we really need him and how he's going to fit into our system? Hmm. Can Chu Sejong play CB? No, no, no. No? No, oh, he's just... He's, he's, a, he's a, a deep deeper central midfielder, pretty much, period. His preferred position is as that, that deep playmaker, central midfielder, but he he's not as comfortable in it, but he can also be on one of those kind of box-to-box types. I was going to say, they already have Park Jung, so... It's hard to see where he'd be like a regular starter for Seoul, but I, I can see sort of like in theory how he could be valuable for them, given their Seoul... The presence of their many, um, good finishing forwards. I mean, I still think Solo is going to play a very slightly, um, ugly long ball kind of game next year. And so that's where I would see Ju Sejong fitting in is that he is a fairly good for K-League standards, a very good long passer and set ball, a dead piece deliverer. And so I think that's where he kind of fits in is aiming for the, the big forwards they've got up top now and, uh, offset pieces. Right. But so, FC Seoul, like in the defensive mid setup, they uh, already have Asmara and Takahaki and Takunu, as as you mentioned. So I'm guessing like he might end up being more like depth because FC Seoul has to play the Asian Champions as well. Because I have to think that Takahaki and Asmara are the start. The start is over him unless he plays higher up the pitch. But I don't really see how that's gonna happen. You know, yeah, you figure, you figure Seoul's probably going to play something like a 3-4-1-2 or something like that. So they only have two central midfielders. Unless they're going to drop smart back into defense. And going the other way, the uh, Chu Sejong transfer is Kim Yun-sung to Pusana Park. Um, which is... Uh, uh, so what do you think, Kim Yun-sung? Just, just your thoughts on this transfer. Um, and this, this transfer, I didn't like it. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't particularly rate Kim Yun-sung. I mean, I'm not, I don't watch Seoul a whole lot, but when I have seen him, he seems kind of your typical K-League center forward. He, you know, he'll work hard, but he's not particularly great in terms of his technical ability or his positioning or anything like that. So I think he'll pretty much just be a, a rotation forward every now and then he'll come in, but I'm not really expecting anything from him. I think Seoul probably got the much better end of the deal on this one. Doesn't Kim Yun Sung and Lee Jung Hyuk, who's recently left Busan High Park, have very similar skill sets? And I think they're similar in the their style and their mold, but um, I don't think I so I don't think given the moves that Busan has made this this off season, I don't really see him slotting in as one of the a starter because I think Ko Kyung Min. Ogumin from Annyeong will probably be the main center forward. And if you believe the rumors, he'll probably be rotating with uh, Milos Stoyanovich, who's coming in from mm. Vietnam. 
I don't, I think Kim Hyun-sung will probably might start every now and then or he'll maybe go out on the wing possibly, but I don't really see him being a huge part next season. I think it's a lot more just about building depth given the, the length of the Kaylee Challenge season. Um, hmm. I don't, I mean, I don't know what exactly Seoul would have offered in terms of cash. Kaylee cap deals are not typically that high in given. Uh, Busan does not pay a whole lot to their players and they're being, they were relegated. I don't think they would have gotten a whole lot out of Seoul anyway in terms of cash. So I think as far as they're concerned, maybe this was a better thing. I suppose if we're on Busan, we could talk maybe a little about the Lee Jung Yup and Lee Young Jae right. with Busan. Yeah. This one, all right, I'll just, I'll just kind of give it because I think, um, yeah, yeah. Well, very quickly, I mean, it's, I mean, obviously it's a little disappointing. I think between the forwards they brought in, Lee Jung Yup's in terms of goal production is probably coverable, but, um, they, it would have been nice just to have him just because he's a reason to get fans to the stadium because he's recognizable from his national team appearances and he's, he's from Busan. He, he went to school there and so he's also a local kid. And so it's something that can sort of the club can parade around him on and, you know, get people there to watch him because okay. young Jay, well, I think, I think young Jay fits the, the uh, system very well or wide midfielders. Um, I mean, he's a, he's, he's young. He'll only be there a year anyway. He's not really in there. So from a footballing standpoint, it's a good deal, but and it's an understandable deal. But from a fan standpoint, it's a little bit slightly disappointing. Uh, Cole, do you have any Kelly transfer that you wanted to mention? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, he came to FC Seoul too. But he has to leave in like mid-season because he has to go military or pick some people. Are saying he'll be starting? But while we're talking about FC Seoul, um, I think sort of last week I kind of dissed their championship chances. But the harder you, the harder you think about it, I think is it. Do you guys agree that they might be the biggest threat to Chandok this season? Of course. Because, like, everyone's really motivated to win it this year, and I think they got a really good squad. If they just know, that if they just stick to what they do best, they got really a chance to, like, fight for the title against Chongbuk. But as you can see, Ulsan's got a pretty good transfer. They had a great transfer. They're getting a lot of good talents too. So everyone say, oh, Ulsan, Chongbuk, and Seoul are going to fight for the title. Yeah, well, I think so. So I think on paper, certainly has I think the second strongest squad on paper. And if I, I think you mentioned that on Tim at some point, maybe on, maybe it was on Twitter or on the tavern. But it's, they can avoid their what's becoming their habitual slow start under Choi Young Su. Yeah. Then yeah, they should they should certainly been there because they always finish very well. But they just they leave like a 10, 15 point gap that they have to make up. And they just can't do it. If there's nothing else. Then we'll move on to our traditional tavern last call. So, Jay, do you have any last call? Any thought uh, about Pusan Ipharaj's relegation, their prospects next season? Um, relegation is so new in the case. It's hard to say with any defenders, but the trend seems more that relegated clubs sink down and take a year or two to get sort of acclimatized, if you will, to the challenge. And so, and I think it'll be tough. Daegu will still be strong. Um, I don't know. Maybe Dejan will be strong. I don't know. 
Uh, well, I guess this would be my, my last call as well. Um, no, I'm not really optimistic about Tejon's chances next season, simply because, you know, you've got Tegu as well established in the league, so Elan, who I'm pretty sure will outspend Tejon next season. Plus, we've lost our uh, uh, one and without Adriano, our promotion chances back in 2014 were extremely uh, slim. Uh, and now without uh, a star striker to carry us up, uh, I still have the same twinging feeling that we might roll around the basement of the Kelly Challenge for a couple of years. I hope not. Maybe I'm being overly, you know, pessimistic, but that's what I think. So, Nicole, you're the last call. Um, Chongbuk is versing um Borussia Dortmund next Friday. Very, right. it's gonna be quite exciting. Right, that's in. In Dubai, I believe, they're training. Yeah, friendly camp, a friendly match. Yeah. That's so exciting. All the fans are like really pumped up for it, and like all the cable, Korean t- cable networks are fighting for the rights. So we'll see who gets them. I don't recall a training match ever having so much hype around it. In yeah. It's, it's, but it is for Dortmund. Is there any chance yeah. that Park might? I reckon you'll always get the Korean team, maybe. Right. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it's a training match. Yeah. So I yeah. think they'll just freely rotate in and out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah sure. We'll get you know 30, 40 minutes here or there. But all, but yeah, like all the Korean fans, they're like only excited to see Michael Royce because like Michael Royce is really big in Korea. Because really? like yeah, he's really. All the fans really like him. Every forum I go, they're like raving at that <laughs> and stuff. At the time of editing, I've just realized that uh, Jin Suk's last call, which I had to do for him because Jin Suk wasn't. Able, uh, able to stay until the end is actually no longer up to date. He wants to mention that Pek Sungo was going to start his first uh, match for the Juvenil A of Barcelona after the Pika Ben was released. Um, but And he wanted to mention that was going to happen on Sunday. Well, it's Sunday and the match has just happened. Uh, Juvenil A has lost 1 0 to CD Ebro and Pek Sungo played 60 minutes. There's no streams, so we have no way of knowing how he actually performed in the match, although worrying news is that uh, he's actually been injured. And so hopefully that's nothing too severe, And because uh, if it was, it'd be a cruel twist of fate for a player who's had to wait quite a long time to start for the club, uh, who's given him training and uh, through the, the, the Masha Academy uh, because of the FIFA ban that was imposed upon him and Isungu and uh, Changeli. So hopefully there's better news to come on that front. Stay tuned to the Tavern of the Warriors for news on that. And our next podcast, coming out sometime next weekend, we'll speak about the Uzbekistan and Yemen matches in the AFC U23 Championship, as well as all the news uh, that unraveled during that week. So thank you for listening. And from all of us here at the Tavern of the Tegak Warriors, please continue to follow uh, our website, takeakwarrior.com, and our Twitter feed, at takeak underscore warrior. So thank you for listening, and chai Bye!